Good morning. My name is Jeremiah. I'm one of the pastors here at Westbridge. Awesome to have you with us. Hello to everybody joining us online this morning. Great to have you participating with us as well. And uh, we're pretty deep into a series called Your Future Self Will Thank You. And the concept behind this series is that today, all of us on some level, in some arena of our life, uh, we're experiencing the benefits of decisions that we made maybe a year ago, maybe five years ago, maybe 20 years ago. But we're currently experiencing the benefits. We're reaping the rewards of decisions that we made in our past. And so in, during this series, we're asking this question, what are the, the decisions that we can make today that will cause our future self to reap the benefits, that will cause our future self to look back at the decisions we're making now and say, thank you. Thanks for making that decision. I'm glad you did that. And we started this series saying, uh, your future self will thank you for the paths that you chose. Because we recognize every decision that we make is not static. Uh, it's not just a decision in the moment, but it's actually a path that moves us toward a destination. And if we don't like the destination and we don't want to end up there, wisdom would suggest that we get off that path. And so your future self will thank you for the paths that you chose. And then we said your future self will thank you for the appetites that you tame. Because appetites always whisper now, never later. They're always about the now, but they don't think about long term. And then we said your future self will thank you for the time that you spent with God. Developing a relationship with God and spending time with God. And the more that you do that now, the more your future self will thank you. And then we had these uh, buckets up here. If you missed the bucket week, I'd encourage you to go back and watch that because this was all about your future self will thank you for the money that you gave away. And that, our, you know, our life is not about what we accumulate or acquire and that we've got to guard ourselves, Jesus says, against every type of greed. And then last week, uh, our friend John Alexander was here and talked about your future self will thank you for the relationships that you choose, that your life really is impacted by your relationships and by community that you invest in. And so today we're going to talk about another area of life and then we're going to wrap up this series next week. But today we're going to talk about an arena of life, again, where if you make good decisions with this particular area of life, next year, five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, your future self will thank you. And this is the area of your time. See, your future self will thank you for the time you invested, however you invest your time. And I think we could all agree that sometimes we wish for more time. Sometimes we wish we had more, uh, you know, minutes in an hour or hours in a day or days in a week. It's like there's never enough time. It's the most precious commodity in the world, which is why we have phrases, these kind of cliche phrases that kind of float around our society, things like uh, time waits for no man or time is money, or uh, no time like the present, or time heals all wounds. And all kinds of classic songs have been written about time. Here's some great ones, right? Uh, time After Time by Cyndi Lauper. Or how about this one? If I Could Turn Back Time. A little share for you this morning. I'm not even going to attempt to sing that. How about uh, Time of Your Life by Green Day? Or Yesterday by The Beatles? Or uh, what about Time is on My Side by the Rolling Stones, which I find to be pretty ironic because one look at Mick Jagger suggests time is definitely not on his side. And if we look at the idea of how to manage our time, most of us probably fall into one of three categories. I'm great at time management. Uh, I think I'm pretty decent at it. What the heck is time management, right? <laughs> Some of you are in that category. And believe it or not, the scriptures actually have a lot to say about our time and about how we spend our time. And there's some interesting uh, 
some interesting things to read in the scriptures about the topic of time. And I think one of the most uh, revealing and probably realistic and practical prayers when it comes to our time is found in the Psalms. It's actually written by Moses. In Psalm 90, he writes this, Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. May we recognize how brief life really is, because when we recognize that, it will sharpen our focus. Now, I can tell you, as a pastor, I've been to uh, a number of hospital rooms over the years and sat in ICU rooms, and I've officiated a number of funerals over the years, and it's really fast-tracked my own thinking in regards to my own uh, mortality, in regards to the fact that, uh, you know, nobody lives forever. And it, it gets me thinking in regards to my own purpose in the world and whether or not I'm really living the life that Jesus offers. You think about that a lot when you're around it. And when you're younger, you don't think about these things. So when I first started off working at a church, I didn't really think that much about the end of my life because I thought, man, a crazy athlete like myself probably lived forever, right? And, uh, and some of you are laughing, and that's, that hurts a little, but that's all right. I'll get over it. And uh, how many of you right now, you're in your 30s or younger? That means you're under 40. Lift your hand nice and high. Okay. How many of you are sitting in a row with someone who just lied about their age? All right, that's fair. Uh, If you're watching online, put an exclamation point in the chat or on Facebook or wherever you're watching if you are under 40 years old. Now think about this. This is fascinating. The average life expectancy of a a male in the United States is 78.7 years old. 78.7. I don't know. This is the average, right? And so that means for me, in my very early 40s, that uh, the halftime show has just ended. And I'm starting the second quarter, the, third, the second half, right? It's unbelievable. Think about that. Life is short. Life is incredibly short. But we often don't give our time to the things in our life that matter the most, that are the most important, or that are even the most eternal. Because life just seems to go on. And as a result, we, make up, we end up making some unwise decisions with where we spend our time. Do you know the average person asks what time is it? About 9 to 12 times a day. Nine to 12 times a day, we ask the question, what time is it? I think if we want to make really good decisions when it comes to our time, a better question to ask would be, what am I doing with the time I've been given? What am I doing with whatever time has been entrusted to me? Uh, There was recently a mom who was featured in the media. Uh, She gave her 13-year-old son an iPhone for Christmas. And a part of him accepting the iPhone was that she gave him a contract, and it had 18 bullet points on this contract, an 18-point contract. I'm just going to read to you a couple of the bullet points in her contract. One was this, turn it off, silence it, put it away in public, especially in a restaurant, at the movies, or while speaking with another human being. You are not a rude person. Do not allow the phone to change that. Like, oh, that's a good, good rule. Another one was this, it does not go to school with you. Have a conversation with the people that you text in person. It's a life skill. Like, all right, that's good. These are good rules, right? Uh, Third rule was, I always know the password. It's a good rule to have. But here's my favorite one. Uh, And we won't go through all 18, but this one was my favorite. It is my phone. I bought it. I pay for it. I am loaning it to you. Aren't I the greatest? (laughs) That's in the contract. I love it. When you have something that is on loan to you, when you have something that is not yours, you treat it differently than you treat something that is yours, something that belongs to you. You treat it with more respect because you know one day I have to return that. 
And wisdom would suggest that we change our frame of mind and that we understand our time a little bit differently. That we actually have to give an account for our time. That our time is on loan to us. It's entrusted to us by God. It's a resource. And one day we're going to give an account to God for how we spent our time. That's kind of a sobering thing to think about, isn't it? And for some of us, it's, it's a matter of um, not giving enough time to the things that are the most important. For many of us, it's just our poor time management causes us to cram so many things in that we live without margin. And when we do that, whether it's uh, spending too much time on things that are urgent but not really that important, or whether it's just cramming too much in, it's, it's amazing that, you know, we just, we live in this culture where we kind of wear busyness as a badge of honor. We bump into each other and we're like, hey, how you doing? Oh, I haven't seen you yet. Oh, I've been busy, so busy. You all busy, busy, busy. And it's just, it's like this default answer that we have. And what if our response was actually, hey, how have you been? Like, man, great. I, I've, just, I've just been sitting in a hammock. It's been great. You never hear that, do you? But we, we, we all, it's almost like a busy competition to see who can be more busy. And, and we wear that as some kind of badge of honor. But what it's doing to us as human beings is actually hurting us in several areas of our life. In fact, if we don't learn to manage the time that's been entrusted to us, poor time management actually starts to have a negative effect on the different areas of our life. Number one, our personal life. Now, just think about this for a second. We, we live our lives at breakneck speed. There's just something in us that just, we're always in a hurry. We're always in a rush. There's just something in us. Maybe it's just the pace of our society. Maybe it's just human nature. But uh, I can't tell you how many times I've raised my voice at my kids because I didn't manage my time well. And so now I'm in a hurry. And now they're slowing me down. And I take it out on them as if it's their fault. And it's not their fault. It's that I didn't manage my own time well. We have this addiction to speed. If every time your family leaves the house, it feels like there's an evacuation taking place, it feels like the house is on fire and we've got to get out or we'll die, then that's probably not a good sign for you. And I, I can remember there's like been seasons in our life where it's like every time we left, it was like an evacuation, right? It's like, everybody go, we got three seconds or we die. It's like, that's no way to live. We have this addiction to speed. This, I do this, I'm sure, probably I'm the only one, but do you ever, when you're at the grocery store and you're trying to pick which line or you're at Walmart or Target or whatever it is and you're trying to pick the checkout line, and you, what do you do? There's like a formula to this, isn't there? It's like, okay, number of items in the cart divided by age of the cashier divided by, okay, how many people are in that line? And as if that's not bad enough, what, what do we do? We get in this line, we keep track of where we would have been in that line to make sure, and then it's like... It, okay, oh, am I going to beat it? Like this imaginary spot in the other line. What is wrong with us? I'm probably the only one who does that. None of you do that, I'm sure, but it's amazing, isn't it? Even on my way here this morning, I was driving to the church building early in the morning, and a light up in front of me turns yellow, turns red, and I have to stop, and there is zero cross traffic. Not a car in sight. And I'm frustrated. Was I in a hurry? No. Had plenty of time. That 30 seconds ticked me off. I'm like, oh, come on, there isn't even a car in sight. And then I, I caught myself, I'm like, I'm actually talking about this today. <laughs> That's funny. 
But what is it in us that is just always in this hurry? And it starts to grind on our hearts and on our soul and on our personal life. We're constantly multitasking, trying to get everything done, be more efficient. We have all of these time-saving devices that actually suck the joy and suck the life and don't make us really that much more efficient. When I feel rushed, when there's no margin in my schedule, I tend to make poor decisions and I tend to treat people poorly. And have you ever noticed it's difficult to be kind to someone who is slowing down your schedule? It's just difficult to be kind to them when they're messing up your pace. Our hurry sickness in the United States has led to a new low in areas of compassion, in areas of kindness, and after a while it starts to affect us on the inside. We become a sort of more negative, less compassionate, less patient versions of ourselves, and we stop seeing other people as somebody created in the image of God. It starts to affect our personal life. And then here's another area where it affects us. It affects our relational life. I mean, as, as this affects us on the inside, it bleeds out into our relationships, particularly the people that we love the most. That's where, that's where it really starts to affect us. And we have less time to spend with our kids, less time to spend with our spouse. Uh, even the time that we do spend, we are physically present but mentally absent. Our mind is somewhere else. We're on a screen, we're on a phone, we're doing something else. When we don't learn to manage our time, when we don't treat each moment as the gift that it really is, when we don't recognize the brevity of life, then what happens is that we treat people as less than because as long as they're holding us up, then, you know, we've got to get past that. We've got to keep moving. It starts to affect our relationships. And when we don't manage our time well, we spend our areas, we spend our time in the areas of life that seem really urgent but really aren't all that important. And it affects our relationships. It causes us to be stressed and fatigued. And then the relationships that really matter the most to us begin to suffer. In fact, most important relationship, relationship of all, it begins to affect our spiritual life. It really affects us in this area of our relationship with God. The one who created us and the one who loves us. And I don't think any of us intentionally neglect our spiritual life. I don't think any of us intentionally neglect our relationship with God, but when we don't manage our time well, what happens is God starts to feel more distant. God starts to feel far away. And when we don't have the emotional energy to sit down and reflect on how God wants us to grow every single day and and to reflect on, God, what is my next right step of obedience? And to lean into that. If we don't have time for that, then we are too busy. And over time, our attention turns inward towards ourselves. Over time, if we continue to spend all of our energy and all of our time in the areas of life that just are clawing for attention, the urgent, but never the things that are important, then we actually start to turn inward. And here's the great paradox of all of this, is that true joy is found in giving your life away in service to others. But we actually miss out on the joy-filled life that Jesus came to bring us when we're too busy. And we start to lose out on our relationship with God. And we could argue this is just a cultural thing. We could say this is probably just a part of the United States of America. Or it's a part of the uh, technological revolution. It's a 21st century thing. But here's what's amazing. As you read through the scriptures, you have authors who wrote thousands of years ago who expressed these same sentiments. In fact, Job writes this. My days are swifter than a runner. They fly away without a glimpse of joy. Anybody relate to that? 
King Solomon writes this, It is better to have only a little with peace of mind than be busy all the time with both hands trying to catch the wind. You ever feel like that? Like, I'm busy all the time, but like, what do I have to show for it? It's like I'm trying to catch the wind. I'm busy all the time, but I don't know that it's actually made my life more full. And contrary to what we might think, it seems that the struggle to manage our time has actually been a problem throughout history. It kind of seems like it's a human problem. But the writer of Psalms, in fact, Moses writes in Psalm 90, teach us to realize the brevity of life. Help us to understand that our life is a fog. Our life is a mist. It evaporates quickly in the grand scheme of things. Because when we recognize that, it'll help us to grow in wisdom. So today I want to give you just four simple things that you can do. Four things that you can do that will help you to grow in wisdom in the area of your time. And these are things that you can put into practice this afternoon. These are things you can put into practice tomorrow, this week. Things that you can regularly commit to so that next year, five years, 20 years, your future self will thank you for how you invested your time. So here's the first one. Number one, acknowledge your limits. Acknowledge your limits. We've said this before, but it's so worth repeating. Every time that you say yes, you're saying no to something else. Every yes is a no to something. You can't do it all. We've all been given the same number of minutes every single day, and somewhere along the way, you've got to say no to something to say yes to something else. So what do you need to say no to so that you can say yes to the things that are most important and that are most eternal? Now think about this. If you were able to say yes to every single thing in every area of your life, how much time would that take? What, what would it take for you to close every deal, to make every call, to respond to every voicemail, to respond to every email, so that when you left work at the end of the day, your inbox was empty, your voicemail was empty, there were no clients left, there were no follow-up calls you had to make, everything was done for the day. What would that take? Now, let's say you were able to do that, then think about this. What would it take for you to read every bedtime story and be there to play every game of horse in the driveway, right? And, and be there for your kids and go to every performance and every ball game and every, uh, you don't have enough minutes in the day, do you? Now, think about your personal life, just your own hobbies. What would it take for you to immerse yourself in your hobbies and go to every Twins game, go to uh, every Timberwolves game or golf every golf course in Minnesota? So that's just that side of things. And what would it take for you to develop all the personal skills you want to develop? Read every self-help book. Read every cooking book. Read everything that you can possibly read about how to start a successful YouTube channel. Whatever your hobby is, there is not enough time to do it all. Somewhere along the way, you have to say no to something so that you can say yes to something else. Somewhere along the way, you have to cheat some area to give your time to an area that is more important. That is the question. We have to acknowledge our limits and prioritize those things that really matter. And here's what James, the brother of Jesus, writes. He says this, look here. You who say today or tomorrow we're going to go to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We'll do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. Thanks, James. That's encouraging. <laughs> hey, do you know when you wake up in the morning and there's like this fog and it's kind of there when you're driving to work and by the time you get to work, it's gone? That's your life. Think about that. But it's true, isn't it? In the grand scheme of human history, in the arc of human history, in all the years that the world has been in existence, you take your 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 years if you live that long, and it is like that. It is a mist. It's a vapor. 
and it evaporates quickly. And James suggests, and Moses suggests, and the writers of the scriptures would suggest that wisdom says that we make the most of the time that we've been given. Our life is a fog. We must acknowledge our limits. And if we don't, we end up cheating the wrong things and taking our time for granted. And so managing your time is less about developing the skills to try to keep all the plates spinning. And it's more about developing the discipline to let some of them drop. Acknowledge your limits. You can't do it all. Every yes is a no to something. So what area of your life are you going to cheat so that you can prioritize what's most important? Secondly is this. Spend some time tracking your time. Have you ever done this? Think about this. When was the last time you actually thought about where you were spending your time? Where you're putting your time? Have you ever sat down to watch something on Netflix and then realized that you spent more time looking for something than actually watching something on Netflix? Like, we've all done that, right? Uh, I, I love uh, this guy, uh, Sammy Rhodes. He's a college pastor in South Carolina. He writes a lot of things on Twitter. He wrote this, Netflix asks if I want to continue playing an episode, like even it's disappointed in how many I've watched in a row. And we've all had that experience. You're like, oh, I love this show. I'm just going to watch one more five episodes later. And Netflix is like checking in on your safety. They're like, hey, are you still watching this? <laughs> we just want to make sure that you're okay, you know? It's amazing, isn't it? All of us have been given 168 hours in a week. Nobody has given more. Nobody's given less. We all have 168 hours in a week. So where are they going? It's difficult to have wisdom where, we, where we're spending our time if we don't actually know where we're spending our time. We create budgets for our money because we want to know where our dollars go. Why don't we do the same thing with our hours? Why not create a, a budget with our hours so that we know where they're being spent? Because here's what happens. It happens to me. It happens to all of us. Do you ever get to the end of a day or you get to the end of a week and you go, man, where did the time go? That's a powerful question if we'll actually stop and answer it. Where did the time go? Why not track it to find out if you were using it wisely? In Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes this, using a dull axe requires a great strength. So sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. See, tracking your time is like sharpening the blade. It helps you to do things more efficiently. It helps you to understand. It gives you wisdom. It helps you succeed. Again, he writes this, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. So when's the last time you spent some time tracking your time? All of us have 168 hours, which is why I have 168 dots, my candy of preference, because... You can chew on them and they last the whole movie. Whatever. You might be a Reese's person or an M&M person or a, maybe you're a Raisinette person, okay? So you can do this with whatever you want. Uh, or if you're like, man, this is the year I'm getting my health in gear, then marks on a chalkboard for you or, you know, celery stalks, uh, whatever. But here's the deal. Uh, I've already taken out, you're like, okay, 168 hours. I've already taken out the time that you spend sleeping. I'm being generous. I'm giving you eight hours a night of sleep, okay? Now, some of you are parents, you don't get those. These are groggy zombie hours that you're awake. All right. But okay, pull out the sleep hours. You still have this many hours in the week. Now, let's say you work full time, right? And that's uh, eight hours a week plus an hour commute. That's Monday. Okay. And then we're going to go, here's a Tuesday, eight hours plus an hour commute. Uh, some of you are like, man, I drive an hour both ways. All right. So that's Wednesday. 
Here's uh, Thursday. Get this here. Nobody's going to want to ever touch these after I'm done with two services, okay? And here's Friday. Let's say you work five days a week, and here is Friday. You're like, man, I, I have a lot longer commute than that. No problem. We'll add another hour every day to your commute. Okay, now, here's the reality. Look at how much time you have left. You're like, I, I do not have that much time. But you do. This is 10 hours a day plus your sleep time. This is how much time you have left. This is your leisure time. Uh, this is your hanging out with friends time. This is uh, going on a date with your spouse time. This is playing horse in the driveway or throwing the football time. This is, this is your time. And maybe you're like, man, I even, you know, took a couple of naps this week. <laughs> Good for you. Look at how much time you have. This is the amount of time that you spent, you know, watching Netflix. And this is the amount of time that you spent looking for things to watch on Netflix, you know. It's like, it's all there. Even if you pull all of that out, look at how many hours you have left. This is kind of, kind of blows your mind when you actually stop and track this. And here's the, here's the question. What did I do with all of these hours? What do these hours account for? I'm not sure. See, this is the value of tracking your time and actually having a budget for these hours. Because the problem is, if we don't track it, then these just kind of go away. And then... This happens to us week. This is just one week. This is one week's worth of hours. Week after week after week after week. We go, what happened to my time? I, I haven't done anything with it. Uh, where did it go? I didn't, I didn't grow personally. I didn't spend time in my most important relationships. I didn't grow a hobby. Where did this time go? And what ends up happening is, for many of us, we become spectators in our own lives. We end up wandering through life aimlessly, just letting life take us wherever it will, instead of being intentional with the time that we've been given. So I would think wisdom would suggest that you spend some time tracking your time. And if you do that, you might discover that you have more time than you realize, and it might cause you to spend your time a little bit differently. So acknowledge your limits, and then Make sure that you spend some time tracking your time. Here's number three. Invest small amounts of time over a long period. Small amounts of time over a long period in almost every arena of life. Think about this. It is small contributions of time done consistently over a long period that yield the biggest results in your life. You can apply this to any area of your life, but it's specifically true of your time. Exercise. Think about this. Working out for one day, no matter how hard you work out, will not make the difference like working out a little bit each day over a long period. It just makes all the difference in the world. Working out a little bit every day or every week over several months produces huge results. How about school? Studying 20 minutes a day will help you prepare on any given subject a lot more than cramming the night before the final. It's just the reality. How about time with family? Taking small chunks of time to be with your kids every day is way more effective than one big grand family vacation a year. There is a cumulative value in small deposits that build on each other. There's a cumulative effect. It adds up. How about your finances? This is true in, in the financial world. Your bank account doesn't just grow overnight, but if you make small, consistent contributions over time, that's what makes the difference. 
Think about any sport or hobby that you want to be good at. If you want to be good at anything or have influence in anything, it is always through small deposits given consistently over a long period of time that yield big results. This is the best wisdom when it comes to your time. And if you will do this, and it doesn't matter what you've done in the past, you can start this today. If you start this today, your future self will thank you. Here's the way the Apostle Paul writes it. He's writing to a group of people living in a very busy city of Ephesus. And it applies to us. We're very similar to the culture of Ephesus in regards to our busyness, in regards to the the hustle and bustle of how we live our lives. And here's what he says. Be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. In other words, be intentional, be alert, be aware. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Another version says it like this. Watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Now think about that. Here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying there's this contrast between wisdom and foolishness. Wisdom would suggest that you take stock of the time that you've been given and that you invest it wisely, that you, that you don't live carelessly, that you don't allow life to just come to you and just react to it, but that you are intentional with how you spend your time. And there's this contrast. He says that's to live with wisdom, that that's how you live wisely. The fool lives carelessly. The fool just kind of picks up their feet and lets the current of culture just take them wherever it will go. But he says, you are to live with wisdom. You're to live wisely, not like fools, but like those who are wise, making the most of every opportunity you've been given. Now, here's why I think we need help remembering that. First of all, there is no immediate benefit to any single installment of time. Think about that. You go, okay, I'm going to spend... 20 minutes a day doing one particular thing. And I'm going to do that consistently because I really want to see this result after a year or a month or two years or whatever it is. But after that first installment, you don't see any benefit. There's a cumulative effect. And because we don't see a big benefit after that first installment, we don't see the consequence of that. And the converse is also true. There's no big consequence from skipping any one single installment of time. And so you might be doing something consistently, 20 minutes a day for two years, but you decide to skip one day, there's no big consequence to that one single time that you skip. It's all about the cumulative value over time. And so as a result of that, we're tempted to not do things consistently, and we're tempted to skip because we don't see the benefit right away, and we don't experience the consequence right away when we skip any particular installment. That's why we hit the gym so hard the first of the year every year, right? This is, man, I'm going to get in shape this year. It's like, and we try to do it all in one day. And we, we show up at the gym. It's like January 2nd. And you're like, okay, January 1st. That one's a wash because I was up late. And now it's January 2nd and I'm going to hit the gym. And what do you do? You show up and you hit every single machine in the gym twice. And you're like, yeah. And then the next day you can't move. Right? It's like, oh my gosh. What, am I, what have I done to myself? Because wisdom takes the long view and says, no, it's small installments over a long period of time. It's the best wisdom when it comes to our time. So invest small amounts consistently over a long period. Finally, number four, make relationships a priority. Make relationships a priority. Jesus gave his followers the cliff notes what it means to follow him. He boiled it down to this, love God 
and love people. You want to know what it all comes down to? He said, love God and love people. And here's what we all know intuitively. We, we don't even need uh, Jesus to tell us this. Like our human experience bears this out, that our happiness is measured by the quality of our relationships, not by our prosperity or by our progress. What makes us the happiest in life is the relationships that fill our lives. Everything else is outside of that realm. And when you're making decisions about your time, how it affects the most important relationships in your life should be a primary factor. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 8, What do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? What do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? What do you benefit if you spend all of your time on things that really don't matter, accumulating and acquiring, things that really don't exist in eternity, but you lose the things in life that really do matter? What's the net result? What's the net benefit to you if that's how you live your life? And what we know is that the things that matter the most in this life and the things that matter the most to God is our relationship with God and our relationship with others. That's what matters the most. And when it comes to how we manage our time, we should lean into relationship and make decisions with our time that help us engage in our relationship with God and our relationship with others. See, the kingdom of God is a relational kingdom. It's relational. The guiding ethic of God's kingdom is love God and love others. Love God and love others. But so often we make decisions with our time that are pulling us towards the urgent that actually ends up leaving very little time for relationship with God and relationship with others. And then we wonder, why don't I feel closer to people? Why don't I feel closer to God? Jesus said this, He's teaching a group of people and he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. If you'll lean in to the things that are most important to God, Jesus says, then God will take care of the stuff. God will give you everything you need. He'll supply what you need. But if you'll lean into relationship with God, relationship with others, if you'll seek his kingdom first, make your relationship with God, make your relationship with others a priority when it comes to your time, then God's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of the things that you need. He'll give you what you need to sustain your life. So here's my prayer today. My prayer today is that this topic will inspire us to take a look at our time. Take a look at our schedule. Take a look at our calendar. Take a look at the time that you've been given and live your life with a sense of urgency. We are not promised tomorrow. Think about that. See, for as long as I've been alive and as much as I've studied human history, human mortality rate has been hovering right around 100%, give or take nothing. It's never deviated from that. Circle of life. But we're not promised tomorrow. None of us knows how many days we'll be given. And when we recognize, man, my life is actually pretty short in the grand scheme of eternity. In the arc of human history, my life is a fog. It's a vapor. So I better do everything that I can to make the most of the time that I've been given. Wisdom would suggest we do everything that we can to make every moment count for something. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Because when we do that, here's what I can tell you. Your future self will thank you. Some of you, 
are living in a season right now where you're saying thank you to your past self because you've made good decisions with your time. Others of you are going, ah, man, I feel like I've wasted some time. And here's the beauty of this. You can start today. You can start today. And you can move forward so that next month and next year and five years and 20 years and however long we have, your future self will thank you for how you started investing your time. May 16th, 2021, how you began to invest your time. And let me say this. If you've never taken the time to consider following Jesus, why not take some time to consider that? I would respectfully submit that the most valuable thing you can do with your time would be to spend some time thinking about what it means to follow Jesus. And here's why. Every single one of us, every human ever created, we exist we were created by God to exist in loving community with God and with others. It's this relational kingdom. It's why we exist. And yet every one of us from the first human beings to every one of us today at some point in our lives said, God, thanks but no thanks. Going to live life my own way. And as a result, it caused brokenness between us and God and brokenness between us and each other. And throughout human history, we've been trying to figure out how to fix that brokenness, how to fill it. And that's why we chase things. That's why we're busy. It's, we're, we're trying to fill the brokenness, fix the brokenness. So at the right time in human history, scriptures tell us that God sent Jesus into the world. That Jesus became God in the flesh. And he came to reveal God to us, to show us that we can't fix this brokenness on our own, but that he loves us and wants to fix the brokenness and reconcile us, heal us, heal relationship between us and God and relationships between us and one another. So he showed us what love looks like. And in the ultimate expression of love, he allowed himself to be put to death. His body was laid in a tomb. And according to multiple eyewitness accounts, it wasn't just some legend that got spread throughout the years. Multiple eyewitnesses saw Jesus after he rose from the dead and wrote about their experiences. And that means death is not the end. And you and I have been invited to be a part of God's family, to spend the rest of our time in eternity as a part of God's family. And folks, if I could be so bold as to summarize the scriptures cover to cover, it's this. God is building a family and he wants you in it. And if you've never said yes to that invitation, I want you to know it's not something you behave your way into. It's not something you earn your way into. It's not something that you fight your way into or church attend your way into. It's an invitation that's been extended by God because he created you and he loves you and it's what you were created for. And if you've never said yes to that, I want to invite you to say yes to that invitation. To say, you know what, God? I trust that you created me, that you love me, and that you can bring me into relationship with you. And I trust that your way of living life is the best way to live. So help me to do my best to follow you. If you've never said yes to that invitation, I want to invite you to do that as we close in prayer. Just agree with this simple prayer. God, please forgive my sins and forgive me for the times that I've walked away from you. And I thank you that you never walk away from me. You continually move in my direction. And I pray, make me your son, make me your daughter. I want to say yes to the invitation to be a part of your family. And, and then help me in this life to do my best to follow your way of living because I trust that you have my best interest at heart. And that your way of living is the best way to live. So help me to surrender my life, to give you the steering wheel of my life. And God, I pray for every one of us who are here. Nobody knows what time we have left here on this earth. So help us to recognize, to realize the brevity of life. And then help us 
to grow in wisdom, to intentionally use the time, however much we've been given, to lean into relationship with you and with others, to invest in those things that make an eternal difference. We commit this week to you. We pray this in your name. Amen.